This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. I'm your host Snigdha and today we have a very special guest joining us. She is Revati Pogadanda. Revati is an independent journalist based in Hyderabad. Uh, she was the chief editor and CEO of India's first mobile journalism network called Mojo TV. She's known in Telugu states for her people-centric journalistic campaigns, ranging from intermediate student suicides to Nizamabad turmeric farmer struggles. And she's been in the profession for 17 years and she's worked in print, TV, and radio. And uh, after Mojo TV, uh, she's been working as a freelance journalist. And currently, Revati is on bail. And we will get to that in a bit. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today, Revati. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you. Thank you so much for having on the panel and, you know, to share my story and to tell you what exactly is happening in Telangana and Hyderabad. Yes, we're very eager to hear uh, what you have to say. And um, so I want to tell all the listeners that uh, we'll be discussing a a piece that uh, Revati recently wrote for News Laundry. It's called Attacks on the Press and Doublespeak. How the KCR regime is bungling Telangana's COVID fight. Also joining us today is our homegrown reporter, Miss Anusuya Song. Hello, guys. Hello. She's uh, News Laundry's very own COVID warrior. No, Anusuya? <laughs> <laughs> so she was actually out and about reporting on the ground within two weeks of her recovery. And uh, those who follow News Laundry will know that Anusuya contracted COVID uh, while reporting. And she was in quarantine. And uh, she recently reported on the plight of workers in one of the most popular flea markets in the country, if I may say so, Sarojini Nagar. So we'll also be talking about that. And uh, before we begin the podcast, I want to tell all the new listeners about News Laundry. We are a 100% ad-free news platform and we need your support to stay afloat. So please subscribe to us and pay to keep news free. You can go to newslaundry.com and click on the subscribe button on the top right corner of the website. So, uh, Revati, yeah. uh, hashtag where is KCR? <laughs> <laughs> she is back. So after we published that story, a day after that, he uh, came back from his farmhouse. Oh. So, yeah. So for about 13 days, he was in the farmhouse. So we don't know exactly why. And also, right. it's been 17 days since KCR or, you know, anybody from the government met up with the health officials and, you know, understood the ground situation or, you know, you, you have to plan when you're running a state and when you have a pandemic like COVID. Right. You are supposed to have at least, a, if not a daily meeting, at least once in two days or something. But it's been 17 days as, as on date, as of today, there's no meeting. And prior to that, as I said, uh, KCR was missing for 13 days. So on the internet, there was this whole campaign saying, where is KCR? So he came back and uh, people thought we would have a press conference because initially when COVID started, every second day we had a press conference and uh, KCR went on to claim that we'll spend 5,000 crores if it's required, but we won't allow COVID to enter Telangana. Today, when cases are raising and then there are deaths everywhere, we have so many complaints, like as we are talking, this heavy rainfall in Hyderabad, one of the uh, treatment centers called Usmania Hospital, it's flooding. So I just saw the visuals where uh, all these nurses and uh, the other paramedic staff, they're taking beds from uh, the wards 
patient patients beds and sandbags to just stop the flood so imagine that is the plight of uh, hospitals and we don't hear anything from the cm it's quite surprising i, I mean uh, i even read that uh, when he was uh, missing somebody even filed a petition on his whereabouts at the telangana yes. high court yes there was a there was another journalist uh, navin kumar he is known as malana after his character so he does a satirical show malana so he went and filed a petition in high court a mandamus petition saying that uh, the cm is missing and we really want him because so much is happening and we are directionless so while that hearing was still on um, you know uh, the uh, cm emerged so yeah right so so no explanation so far about his why he disappeared okay i'll give you a little background about what happens in telangana so it's been 6 years since ksr came in, you know ksr has been at the helm of things and he's been the cm this is the second term so generally uh, we never saw ksr go to the secretariat secretariat is where all the chief ministers are supposed to operate from so there there's again this whole background that ksr believes in a lot of vastu he has a lot of beliefs so there is a belief that a secretariat is not good the vastu is not good so he never went to the secretariat he, and the old cm camp office has been you know he didn't go to that also he built another uh, new camp office it's called pragati bhavan so he either operates from pragati bhavan or the farmhouse at a place called yarravalli so it's called yarravalli farmhouse right so it's basically never from the secretariat he's either at mostly at pragati bhavan but this time just before he went uh, in communicado there were uh, 30 staff members in pragati bhavan who who were positive so that happened so, um, nobody can question case here so you you nobody <laughs> managed to ask him uh, there is a little opposition that's left a few bjp leaders and a few congress leaders who asked the question a lot of times where are you they uh, you know where did he go and uh, someone had to go to the court all this happened but uh, till now he went he came back nobody has an answer to why he had to go to the farmhouse at this critical juncture right uh, uh, revati you were talking about the secretariat what is all this hush hush about the demolition of the secretariat building and are they are they really looking for the nizam's treasure <laughs> like many so, yeah. people are saying <laughs> the reason why i brought it up also is because you know that is also one real uh, issue right now while we had the cm the cm was missing and then there's uh, the pandemic right uh, gandhi was the only hospital there's so much happening and then uh, we suddenly see the next morning one morning we wake up wake up to see that the old secretariat is being demolished only to to build another secretariat with an estimated cost of 400 crores so a while ago i was telling you about usmania hospital which is you know flooding and all so that is the healthcare situation and you want to build a new secretariat and it is because of the belief that the vastu in that place is not right so even in the high court the the, the reason they're giving right is that uh, there is no fire safety in this building so few of these blocks were constructed like 4 5 years ago mm. so again why would you want to spend 400 crores and build a whole new structure instead of you know fire safety a lot of heritage buildings who earlier uh, where you didn't see fire safety thing have been installed right 
and uh, about 16 uh, chief ministers have operated from that place the nizam operated from that place and it's not like the, not the entire structure is old it's only a part of it is old it's called the d block sorry the g block so this is the place where we are talking about the nizam's hidden treasure so under g block uh, uh, the archaeological department found there is a tunnel okay. to some three four other uh, places in hyderabad mm-hmm. so at that point time a point of time when they found this whole tunnel mm-hmm. there was also a discussion saying that there there probably some hidden treasure of nizam mm-hmm. so now opposition leaders uh, one congress mp revent reddy yesterday also had a press conference and he says that because they were digging up the g block mm. and there could be nizam pressure <laughs> the cm went missing <laughs> so you know you know it's a very very funny it's, yeah it's a very funny situation so we don't know where the it sounds went. dystopian yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah also another so, thing is because this uh, secretary building is an old palace right so it, it is a heritage building hmm. they they the classified that one recently 3 years ago so like i'm saying see if i when i tell you it's a nizam structure don't think it's dilapidated or anything it is still intact okay except for g block where the nizam used to stay it was the palace of the nizam the rest of the whole structure is new huh. so it's very uh, in fact at uh, the point when it came to court a lot of people uh, are questioning citizens are asking on uh, the social media platforms because that, that is all that is left in telangana saying why don't you convert it into a hospital yeah. why do you have to demolish it exactly if you if you think the vastu is really bad then please wait till this whole pandemic is over because we don't have the facilities right now the healthcare facilities and it's very much in the within the reach of everybody it's in the city, you know in the city so why don't you convert it into a hospital use it for some time and then demolish it but yes since it's telangana and things go <laughs> the way we want it suddenly uh, one night the uh, the chief secretary and the dg they go to the site the next day morning we know that it's been uh, the demolition work started uh, you know the traffic has been diverted so right now it's on stay the stay order has been issued by the high court yes somebody filed a bill so um, a citizen went to the court and said you know why are you doing this because the kind it's it's actually in the middle of the city like i said yeah so the air pollution it will cause exactly and also why we diverting funds at this point of time exactly that's what yeah, uh, yeah. especially when you're talking about this hospital even gandhi hospital i mean we'll get to that later but uh, i mean people are healthcare workers are complaining about shortage of staff you know salaries not being paid and all of that fact, and these- right now as we are speaking like i said usmania is getting flooded with rainwater rainwater mm-hmm. and at gandhi there are mm-hmm. uh, this uh, paramedic staff nurses Mm-hmm. these are all temporary staff who have been recruited in some 2012 mm-hmm. since then they didn't get a hike so they've been working for that 10000 or 15000 since then they probably get a take take home of less than 12000 okay and uh, they are sitting on a dharna this is the third mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. they want regularization right. of their jobs right and uh, the secretariat business uh, i think a lot of us can draw parallels with uh, what is happening in delhi Uh, yes yes with the whole central west thing uh okay yes. so coming back to the covid situation uh let me tell our listeners so listeners as of today that is the 15th of july telangana has nearly 38000 covid 19 cases but quite surprisingly the de- daily death toll has been quite low i uh but 
I was just reading today a Deccan Chronicle report where they quoted uh, mortuary workers from Gandhi Hospital who were saying that the actual death numbers are much higher. And uh, Revati, you uh, highlighted this in your report as well, right? Uh, these discrepancies in numbers. Uh, can you tell us a little more about it? So uh, health bulletins, you know, um, I think I, I, I'm looking at all the other health bulletins, if not the entire countries, I'm looking at the South. Mm. Look at Kerala. Mm. There were press conferences, you have medical bulletins, everything is very transparent. Yeah. People know what exactly is coming at them. So, so that I'm prepared and I know what to do, where to go, how to get my test done, which hospital to go. Here, there's no information at all. On top of it, initially we used to get two bulletins. Within, I think, three, four days, they realized that, you know, the people they don't deserve to know so many times. So it's come down to one bulletin. And in that one, one bulletin, I think for about uh, two months, two months since the pandemic started, there were no test details. Every other state is telling that we've tested 10,000 or yeah. say 5,500. I don't care. At least the number was coming out. Yes. But in Telangana, mm. in fact, a lot of national channels started asking questions or, you know, they would start putting a question mark against Telangana because nobody knows the number. Right. So it's actually the high court. I think uh, this is the seventh. Today was the eighth time the high court had to intervene and ask them saying, you know, a lot of things right from the testing saying, why are you not telling the testing date? If you tell, that's when public will know. I mean, I, I know that tests are happening. I know how many cases are going on. I mean, if you're testing 100 people, if 50 people are getting infected, I would understand the danger behind, you know, otherwise people are just thinking that... It's your basic it's right simple. to know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right is a different uh, thing altogether. I'm saying basic knowledge, if I have, about how much the infection has spread. As an individual, I will try and think if I should go out, yeah. even if I'm going out, where are the places that I have to avoid? Where should I go? Right. Even today, I know one Twitter handle, he's been writing to the health minister every single day for the last 38 days, asking, can you just give us the data of containment zones in Hyderabad? Mm. It's a big secret. Nobody knows the containment zones. And coming back to health bulletin, I think 16 times the format of health bulletin has been changed in Telangana. So someday they'll add a new column, someday they'll just remove it, and then two days it'll continue, and then they'll just change it. So even for the journalists, it is a big math work. You, you have to be extremely good at math to understand how many cases happened or how many. <laughs> it's a puzzle for us every day. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, I think uh, last month uh, we were talking to some journalists from the Northeast and they had uh, similar issues. Like not, not that, you know, the government is changing data, but it was very difficult to access uh, COVID-related data. But I think now that is changing. And they, I mean, especially governments in the north, especially Meghalaya, they're really taking to social media to, you know, inform uh, citizens. So also, like uh, you mentioned in your report that uh, even the basic uh, data about COVID was only uh, released by the government after high court uh, and uh, social media. Yeah, into, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, the health bulletin till date, I mean, it, it uh, they give whatever they give. Only, I think, Two days ago, mm. so Saturday, actually, I accessed some data from the GHMC website. Mm -hmm. So it was very uh, nicely hidden, so I could find it. And on that day, uh, the medical bulletin said there are 32,000 cases. But when I checked the data, there were some 37,000. 
so it is not about the 5000 if you talk in the bigger sense it looks like only 5000 is the variation but my problem is it's the government and you're supposed to tell the citizens the truth exactly so the basic uh, truth is not coming out of the government so two days ago uh, while i think i, I don't know how uh, but suddenly the government decided on monday that uh, monday late night in one of the newspapers it's called telangana today they gave a small uh, uh, single column item saying we are going to put all ghmc data in there but even today there is a discrepancy between what's happening on the website and what's coming in the medical bulletin uh, so uh, yeah revati uh, there were similar reports even from west bengal i'm sure it was not this bad uh, the discrepancy in data but uh, i remember when bjp health experts were trying to go to the state to assess the situation there uh, they were not allowed to enter and then later we found out that uh, there was a lot of difference in the numbers that the government was releasing and uh, what is actually um, on the ground uh, also uh, revati since you were you already mentioned uh, the protests uh, by health workers in gandhi hospital uh, even uh, we've been hearing about it uh, continuously this entire week so what are their demands what are the problems they are facing and how is the government responding so uh, when this whole incident happened i mean the whole pandemic happened and lockdown was announced that day when uh, the chief minister came before media and had had this long press conference one of the things that he told us even if you are like a prince or a pauper in this land the only treatment will be at gandhi yes yes so what happened is when he was announcing it i don't know who who was advising him on this you were not thinking that there is a chance that most of the population might get infected mm-hmm. right. so you're talking about a 4 crore population state mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and uh, you are saying only one hospital will be there right so yeah. i was talking to some reporters at uh, bhuvaneshwar and tamil nadu and all of it even kerala there they they tied up the government tied up with private hospitals they're trying to you know empower the district uh, uh, hospitals district health care centers and all and here we are saying wherever you are you have to come till gandhi you have to come to hyderabad you have to travel here come here and take the treatment here so for uh, think about the patients who have to travel and uh, the chance of infection that's spreading because you know you have uh, hundreds of kilometers of travel mm-hmm. and on top of it the pressure that's falling on the system that is there at gandhi so gandhi could only maybe take about 100 patients at a time right now yeah. you are saying whoever gets infected in this four four crore population will be shifted to you and you guys have to take care with no additional medi- medical support with no additional uh, manpower with mm-hmm. no additional resources equipment nothing you are saying you take the entire pressure i think that's where the problem started you wanted to centralize it put it at one place so when a pandemic is spreading all across how can you centralize the treatment exactly yeah so this is where the first mistake happened first major mess up so after a point so when when you look at uh, i'm sure you know about other uh, medical colleges and hospitals what happens is it's not the doctors who take the entire pressure they t- attend to the serious cases the regular stuff is handled by junior doctors who are medical who are the final year students of uh, or you know second third and all so these are the medicos and the paramedic staff and the nursing nursing staff so telangana didn't see any hiring in the last 6 years so 
there are about 6000 paramedic staff uh, posts that, that are empty there have been notifications twice in fact uh, um, they haven't been filled in this whole uh, period and suddenly you're saying you have only 10 people but you have to serve for the entire state so that's where the problem started and uh, at that point of time the junior doctors went on a strike the strike uh, after a day and a half so what exactly happened for the reason for the strike was one patient's attendant was informed that the patient passed away by then we had a lot of issues like dead bodies went missing uh, people went missing you you wouldn't know what's happening so it's you go into gandhi you don't know if you're coming out alive or not your family is worried so all this uh, stories were coming out and you know um, i will also come to the media part of it in the next you know next but what happened was this whole thing about uh, gandhi that the treatment is not good at gandhi started coming out to public so when one patient's attendant was informed about the death uh, that guy you know probably because of uh, influence of media or whatever he hit the doctor he hit the junior doctor so that's when the doctor came out the doctors all the doctors came out and said in a strike saying that we can't do it anymore why why is that you're putting all the pressure on us and you know we're being projected as the villains here we are putting our lives in you know ahead of everything and trying to fight for you and then on top of it you're uh, you know all this is they they didn't even have ppe kits so they they kept giving representations so people started funding public funding happened you know a few of my friends i know who bought ppe kits and went and gave to the doctors there because of this whole centralized idea centralization so till uh, for about a day and a half nobody met them after that the health minister went and it continued for two more days and these guys were very clear they said we don't care about anything else just decentralize we are dying we can't do this if if you if there are 10 people serving 100 obviously the mortality is going to be high and they they will come and uh, you know who will they question they won't question the supervisor they won't question the superintendent they will go for the doctors for us if you talk about a hospital for a normal person hospital is about a doctor so they will be attacked so after that and you know after a lot of pressure recently they said okay every hospital every district will start having and it's still not it's still in process it's not implemented yet no not yet in fact uh, during that period i mean if you remember when china, uh, the covid was at peak in china they converted one whole stadium into a hospital and it's a beautiful visual to watch so uh, i i don't know our guys got this idea uh, cm ksr sun ktr came up with this idea of converting one of the stadiums at gachiboli so we had beds you know immediately there was this whole pr activity a lot of uh, a few media houses were called and we were very impressed because within two weeks everything was there but when gandhi doctors went on strike and everybody started asking this question saying if we have such a world class facility at gachiboli why are we not using it and that's when it came uh, uh, to light that there is no patient there there is no treatment and the reason being there are no doctors there is not a nurse there is not a single paramedic staff there is not an ambulance it's just beds and a few equipment. yeah i think i read somewhere that uh, some uh, an opposition leader went there for a visit yeah, and they said there report. were like two dogs and four security personnel that yes, it was in my report so oh yeah it was in your report yes uh, the congress right. uh, mp ramesh yes. reddy went to tims right it's called right. the telangana institute of medical studies right so after all this was happening he went on a surprise visit right and then uh, it was shocking for all of us to know that there were two dogs and four security guards and nothing else so it's more of a pr activity that happened than actual implementation so, so it's still not functional is it no no 
there are some uh, four deadlines that have been given saying that you know the next date it will start functioning the next date so every time the date comes we are all like waiting to hear this good news saying that okay tims is operational right but till date it's not there okay. and the notifications have been given mm-hmm. uh, but uh, nobody is interested right uh, so revati since you know kcr is so important obviously i mean we all can tell uh, can you uh, can you talk a little bit about his relationship with the media and while you're doing that can you also briefly touch upon how and why so many news channels in telangana are owned by the trs <laughs> so kcr and the media you know that's a very interesting question because kcr was earlier with the tdp congress all the parties and then uh, when he started his whole trs hmm. telangana rashtra samiti right the whole motto of trs is to form a separate state mm-hmm. the separate state movement yeah was about saying that andhra is uh, taking away all the resources of telangana mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it is becoming richer mm-hmm. the andhra andhra people right but uh, telangana continues to suffer mm-hmm. so this was the story this is the narrative mm-hmm. and in fact uh, people who covered telangana people who know telangana we know that uh, the yes this place has been suffering for a while yeah. be it the nizams be it after that there's a lot of drought and uh, lack of irrigational facilities most of the cms were from telangana region uh, the irony is that but the region never got developed because the concentration was only on hyderabad uh-huh. so when ksr came out with this whole idea of a separate the idea of separate state has been there for a while but uh-huh. recently it was ksr who picked it up. Yes. Yes. That point of time, all journalists hmm. in Telangana hmm. rallied behind him. Hmm. They said, "Okay, we will fight for right. uh, state, a uh, separate state." Yes. Yes. Which is actually not a journalistic thing to do because you know, uh, you you neither support yeah. or yeah. <laughs> But we we are far from there moment. now. We we yeah. reached a place very far from that. <laughs> yeah. So it's very so yeah. You know, if I say stuff like this, they will call me an Andhra person. But that's a different story. <laughs> i i supported the moment i thought yes. you know probably the this place will see development right end of the day journalists are for normal public so we wanted that to happen it's a lot of uh, effort from media who mm-hmm. highlighted that uh, whole event mm-hmm. uh, his whole struggle highlighted in the national media to an extent that sonia gandhi listened to him and mm-hmm. all of it happened mm-hmm. uh the moment he comes into power mm-hmm. the first thing he do- does is he bans two news channels <laughs> TV9 and ABN. Wow. Okay. Huh. Uh, so, for uh, a reason, very uh, you know, one satire show went wrong in TV9. Right. So right. they they were uh, putting the joiners. They apologized. Hmm. But it is not a official ban hmm. with KCR. Okay. So he has uh, deep rooted connections with the cable network. I see. Okay. So cable uh, channel, uh, the cable networks are. operated by his men or the trs guys or you mm-hmm. know directly indirectly mm-hmm. so what they did was um, they stopped it in the areas you know officially there's nothing coming from the government saying that you can't broadcast because it's against tri regulations and all of it right but uh, what they did was unofficially stopped everything mm-hmm. they kept saying sorry and all of it it took about a year and mm-hmm. a huge losses for both abn and uh, abn andhra jyoti and uh, TV nine, right. So that's the first step, and the mm-hmm. next thing is they go ahead and launch their own newspaper, the, two newspapers, 
Telugu and English. And then uh, they have, uh, they also launched a news channel. It operates from the headquarters of TRS, the TRS Bhavan. So yeah, while that was happening, there was still uh, news channels like TV9. TV9 was number one. Uh, it was a market leader. So they kept asking questions to KCR, comfortable, uncomfortable, you know, somebody is questioning. So what they did was, uh, finally they took over TV9. They first, actually, before TV9, they took control of a channel called 10TV. 10TV was started with public funding by communists. So that channel was taken over by uh, people close to KCR. And then the same team... Um, so one of them is called uh, Rameshwar Rao, my home Rameshwar Rao. He's a real estate baron. And the other one is Mega Krishna Reddy. So these these guys are uh, TRS, uh, very close to TRS, very close to KCR. In of fact. course. So, yeah. so that's how most of the uh, news channels have come into their control. Also, Revati, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, what according to you is national news news and what isn't, you know, because this is in context of how, um, for example, you must have heard about uh, Scroll uh, senior editor Supriya Sharma, yeah. you know, her, the FIR against her for reporting from Prime Minister's adopted village in Varanasi, right? Um, but uh, in Uttar Pradesh, there are so many instances under the Yogi government where regional, you know, local journalists have been harassed with FIRs and all kinds of threats and all kinds of things, right? But they don't get that much importance. So in that context, what, according to you, is national media and <laughs> what is regional media, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so regional media, national media, I think, uh, used to be earlier on the vernacular basis, you know, the, the language basis. So. Yes. If you're a vernacular media, you're a regional media. And then, uh, but I think today it's all about connections. Right. You, right. you are connected to which office, which uh, well, your connection is sitting in which position or mm. who's on your, uh, which team you're playing. <laughs> so you all know. Um, also, the fact that, see, we saw the story of the journalist who reported about rotis being fed to yes. kids. Yes. Salt, yes. And uh, he was arrested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, in any other country, you would be awarded. Exactly. You know, yes. For ta- yes. bringing up a story like that. But for here, sure. you get arrested and mm. it took a while for social media to come terms to it. And then the national channels joined it. You know, it was not the national channels and then the uh, social media. It came first on social media and the audacity of how he got arrested, I think, uh, shocked everybody. Yes. So it was plain, uh, plain plainly, they're trying to shut him out. Yeah. So that's when I think uh, people saw the whole thing and then they started talking and then the national channels picked up. Right. If that guy was someone with connections mm. in Delhi mm. or if he could speak a lot of, uh, say, English, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm being very... <laughs> I'm being very uh, no, it's quite here. true. Think, it's quite true, yeah. Yeah, so if you, yeah. If, you, if you could speak a lot of English, have mm. a lot of social media connections and mm. all of it, that's when probably his story, probably they would be afraid to even pick him up. Right, right. You know, file right. a case against him because there's no case there. Right, right. And even, I mean, in the case of Supriya Sharma as well, she's a journalist based in Delhi. She writes for an English, uh, yeah. uh, you know, news platform. Even now, I mean, she was slapped with an FIR and that too. And it's quite similar. It, I, you know, I was just thinking about it today that uh, she, the FIR was under the same act that uh, they used against you. The SCST. Yeah. SCST. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, basically regional journalists are also, in fact, actually they are facing more harassment uh, from the government in many cases, but they are just left to their own devices. 
you know nobody comes to help them out yeah supriya supriya sharma's case and my case or you know the up journalists or all of them mm-hmm. like is it accessibility so tell me uh, how many times did uh, the press council give a note the editors give give a release yeah. you know when did all these guys come out and mm-hmm. stand i mm-hmm. think even for supriya sharma it took 2 3 days yes it did it did right yeah mm-hmm. so with my case they just i they came pick me up mm-hmm. put me in the prison after i put out a tweet you know reached out to rajdeep because he was my ex boss and he picked it up and a few other journalists who were shocked by the whole thing mm-hmm. they started speaking that's when now uh, but uh, nobody gave a press release none of the uh, uh, you know the regional uh, even for us yeah. we have uh, press clubs and all nobody bothered about it yeah yeah it's all always about uh, who can make the loudest noise whose story will be heard it's also image management no yeah exactly so why why would uh, these big news channels who have so much access why are they not coming out and standing with you or me or anybody else or even supriya sharma why why does it take so much time right and uh, i mean even uh, you know uh, a couple of weeks ago i interviewed tongam reena she's a journalist from arunachal pradesh and she was actually shot at you know she she had a very close shave i mean um, oh. her spine was injured um, and all of that and till now the court the case is still going on you know the records disappeared from the police station can you believe mm. that Yeah. <laughs> the records of her no, case. I can totally believe it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so when I asked her about uh, the statement from the editors' guild and the press trust of India, she was like, "It doesn't matter. What's the point of just releasing a statement? You know, what are you doing after that?" Uh, that was what she said. She told me. So right. Uh, so now that we've uh, come to your case, uh, Revati, uh, you know, you ha- you yourself have uh, personally borne the brunt. Uh, you know, you were arrested in July last year. under the same yeah. act like we mentioned yeah. can you tell us what happened so it's been a year um, so till now i mean till now there is no charge sheet that has been filed mm-hmm. so they came at uh, 5:30 you know, community from all sides right disconnected our phone phones and all of it you know there, there's so much drama that uh, you would think that this is the next big thing happening you know it's like you know i was a terrorist running away and you know blowing up Uh, places that's the kind of image they created hmm. i want to know how 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 difficult it is for you to go through a show because my case is that hmm. one of my anchors i was a co-anchor on the show so this anchor asked the person who was being abusive to the women on the show to get out of the show so he went and complained saying that they asked me to get out the guy who said get out wasn't arrested he got a notice after my arrest so the fir was filed on four people i was uh, i was a2 and uh, there are two other women activists one of them is an uh, sc herself so they didn't even know they didn't even investigate if it is applicable to her also they have added her name so after i got my bail is when uh, i took her to the police station and we submitted her caste certificate saying how can you even include her so if it was such an important case my question is very simple one year has passed mm. you know I went to the uh, I went to the prison, served eight days there, got my bail. I came out. Mm. I uh, for two months I went to the police station every mm. Sunday, signed like a <laughs> criminal. You know, <laughs> uh, all that my family had to go through and all of it. And then it's a year. Twelfth uh, was uh, one year, so uh, one year and one week. And why is that you couldn't file? 
chart sheet how difficult is that so if you want to say that it was purely because uh, i abused someone i'm saying it was a live show it was a live show the world so saw whether i said it or not the, you know the, yeah, and the shocking my, part is that uh, you were accused number 2 Yeah, I'm accused number two. Yes. I didn't say the word "get out." Exactly. And I'm not even, you know, trying to tell what uh, happened exactly in the show, but the person who said it, yeah, also said because uh, the other person who complained against us was being abusive to all the three other women, which is me and the other two women, saying that women like you are the reason why the culture of this country is going down. Down yeah, the drain. Yeah. This was uh, the Sabri Mala Temple debate, right? Yeah. Yes. The Sabri Mala Temple yes. debate. Yeah. So, one of my team members went to Sabrimala. So she was uh, one of these three women who reached near the shrine. Yes. Yes. So I will tell you the story some other day. But uh, sure. today, <laughs> to cut it short, she went yeah. and uh, she came back. She yeah. was there for coverage, but mm-hmm. it so happened, uh, you know, even sexual de- discrimination doesn't really matter, even if it's work. Yeah. So they they were uh, we were targeted. Mm. We were targeted, and every time you see Mojo TV, they they just Come and back back you up. Right. So on the day I did the discussion, also a, a, a female staff of mine yeah. has been beaten up, and a couple of other uh, guys also. So that's when I had to talk about it. So we, I called the guy who was part of the attack. Mm-hmm. In fact, he called and said, "I want to come on the show. I want to share my views." I said, "Okay, fine," because I yeah. want to know what's going in your head. Why are you doing stuff like this? I will give you your voice. I mean, you can come and tell whatever it is and be done with it. And then this whole thing escalates, and he goes and complains. And the interesting part is, for six months, nobody touches the case. Six months, nothing happened. In fact, I called up the ACP. Yeah. Because the, in S C S C case, it's the ACP who is the in charge of the investigation. So I sent my lawyer. I I asked my, you know, I asked. I kept following up with this guy. He said, "Madam, this is a silly case. This will be nothing." we don't care about cases like that this guy is known for it and all this he tells me and the moment the government wants me under their control i am picked up uh, this is obviously about your previous reports right especially the one that was no- uh, noticed by the national media that was a student suicide right when the whole bungle up with uh, the marks happened yeah so uh, since then this started and you actually you actually said that you know you you are under the radi- radar of kcr Yep. So, yeah. so I'm really curious. Uh, I mean, after all of this happening, what keeps you going? See, some. <laughs> I don't know. You know, when uh, the first time, I, when when I uh, a day prior to that, they called me. The cops called me, saying that I have to come to the police station. I said, for what? They said, no, no, we want to talk about something. Hmm. I said, whatever it is, just send it to me. I will hmm. respond. Hmm. The next day morning. but 5:30 somebody comes and knocks you on the door and then you see two plain clothes people want mm-hmm. to pick you up mm-hmm. and the whole day went like this you know just a movie thing you have four five uh, uh, vans coming three police stations involved mm-hmm. you're picked up you're dragged you i they didn't even allow me to wear my footwear you know just wow. simply getting dragged out of the house yeah. threaten all the friends who come and then you were sent to prison by like about 11:30 in the night or so <laughs> so though, when i was sitting there hmm. that's when it hit me see hmm. i am a journalist i have some recognition or you know i'm i'm known in the society i am educated hmm. i know things i know my rights i know my i know this is wrong 
I can question people and it happened to me. I'm not even talking like a journalist. I'm not even talking like, I'm, I'm just talking as a normal citizen of this country. I have some rights. If my rights are not protected, imagine what is happening in the rest of the state. I questioned as a journalist and because I questioned as a journalist, I went through all that. But my, I'm today, um, I'm doing this not be, not because this is my job or not because this is, you know, feeding my family, whatever, but because somebody has to talk. If it can happen to me, a female chief editor, CEO of a news channel who can be dragged out of their house with nothing and uh, be harassed for a while, it can happen to anybody in this state. So true. I, I think that's what is keeping me going, you know. Uh, all right. Um, Anushuya, let's quickly discuss your report as well. Uh, Revati, have you been to Sarojini Nagar? Yes, yes. I, I love that place. Yes. Yes, we all do, right? Yeah. And, but unfortunately, the pandemic has really hit the people who are working there uh, badly. And uh, Anusuya went there and did a video report uh, from there. Anusuya, can, can you tell us uh, when you went there and uh, what did you see? Were the shops open? You know, how many people were around shopping? Yeah. So I went there on a weekend and weekend, during weekends, if you uh, remember, these uh, flea markets in Delhi, especially Saroji Nagar, used to be overcrowded. Hmm. So, but this time it it was it was very difficult to spot customers there. So basically my report uh, basically talks about this one person named Ankit Sahu, who used to work in a, a, a shop in Sarojini market. And after the lockdown was imposed, he was told uh, that uh, his owner cannot pay him uh, his salary because of uh, because he's not getting any sales. And uh, he got fired on, on, on 24th of March, which after that, and he was the sole bread owner of his family and he couldn't find any job. He had to ask uh, his relatives and he borrowed some money from his relatives. Hmm. And then he started looking for other jobs. And as we know, during this whole pandemic, the jobs, there are no jobs, basically. So finally, he got a job in a quarantine center. And he was very perplexed uh, to go there because he lived with his family and his father is quite old. His mother is well. He was very perplexed and he was rethinking whether he should take it or not. But mm. since the money he borrowed from his relatives mm. was all, almost exhausted, he was left with no other option. Mm. So right. he uh, joined the uh, quarantine center. So basically he has to go there, go inside uh, the patient's room, clean the washrooms, mm. the room. And it's a very high risk job. Right, so right. I interviewed him uh, thoroughly, like what was it like? And he was like, you know, he, he couldn't do anything. That ma'am, hum to majboor hai. We, I have to do it, or else how how am I going to run my family? Uh, so, which uh, so my report basically talks about that, and also when I went to Sarojinagar market, hmm. one thing which was really striking were the street vendors. So, if you hmm. remember, hmm. mostly people who go to Sarojinagar market ha- hardly people go to these shops. You know, true, true, true. Vendors yeah. from there, you can get really fashionable, cheap clothes and fifty yeah. fifty bucks. And yeah. I also go there, and so and it's just not limited to one uh, uh, one strata of the society. You know, people from yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 every time I go to come to Delhi, I, I visit there, make yes. it a point to visit. It's, it's a lovely place. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So basically, there were like 
uh, 92 authorized ndmp street vendors and uh, there are 250 unauthorized street vendors and they haven't still been allowed to open their shop whereas the other shopkeepers are now allowed to open the shop so the rationale behind it when i spoke to the shopkeepers uh, they said uh, they were not these street vendors are not allowed because if they uh, because uh, then the uh, idea of social distancing would become very difficult to maintain since there are so many of them uh, so the government is still not allowing and the other thing which is very sad is that yeah. these people uh, so one of the street vendors i met uh, he had a stock of 2.5 lakh left which he got in the month of uh, march right. and he could uh, uh, and after the lockdown he couldn't sell it so what he did he just uh, piled up the entire stock Uh, and he covered it with a tarpaulin and kept it on the street hmm. now you know there, there were rains and uh, there were rats on the street because of which more than half of the stuff hmm. is ruined he can't hmm. use it and the oh. other half he knew that since a uh, monsoon uh, it's the monsoon season he, he just knows that you know it's going, going to get ruined and then when i asked him why didn't he just you know took it back to his house he could have Done that, you know. He's like, ma'am, I live in a one room. I live in a one room apartment, hmm. and I live with my mother. I have my children. How hmm. am I going to keep this entire stuff in the uh, in this room? And if I need to do that, I need to rent another room, which for which I would uh, need another six thousand per month, and I'm already borrowing money from my relatives. Hmm. So basically, the condition there is really bad. Uh, the government has allowed the shopkeepers to open their shops, but most of the shopkeepers they are hardly getting any customers in a day. I spoke to a lot of shopkeepers. They said, you know, there are some days where they get one or two, or if it is if it is a good day, they get four to five customers, and uh, they're still using the stock which they got in the month of March, and they're saying, you know. they don't think anything good is going to happen uh, and a lot of them are saying that they're planning to shut down their shop if the lockdown exists or if the situation is for another 2 3 months right yeah anushya did you speak to the uh, new delhi municipal corporation you did right what uh, what did they have to say have they done anything to help them out so uh, i uh, tried contacting ndmc for this uh, so basically you know they were just like any other government Uh, organization they were just you know uh, forwarding me from one person to other person hmm. so instead of that then when i was getting no you know conclusive or substantial answer from them i uh, contacted these uh, market associations so a president of these market association so what they told me that you know they are also completely clueless they don't know when it, uh, when the situation is going to come back to normal like others and they say we understand why uh, they're practicing this but uh, something should be done because you know these people have to pay the rent of their shop mm-hmm. people who have you know uh, their shops on rent they have still have to pay a certain amount to the ndmc a certain mm-hmm. amount to the government they have to pay their gst so then mm-hmm. the basic demand was for if this is going to persist mm-hmm. these should be cut down right so, right or else there is no other way for them to survive yeah this uh, reminds me i mean uh, the way it feels because we all go to sarojini regularly it reminds me of how uh, remember the sunday market in uh, old delhi book market 
Yeah, 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 you know, remember how they shut that down because of traffic yeah. issues and yeah. they replaced, they like basically created this, you know, very Dilli heart kind of space for them. It's like, you know, all concrete and strange looking with umbrellas and places for these windows. And so many of them actually quit the business, you know, after that. So, yeah, it's quite sad. Um, or, huh, yes, Anushya? No, no, I, I was just saying most of the shopkeepers yeah. who are uh, well-to-do in yeah. general, they, uh-huh. they have exhausted all their savings and most of them are now unable to pay their um, workers. So right. either they have fired them or they've mm-hmm. asked them not to come until, you know, the business is back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, it's just not limited to a single, uh, you know, group of people. It's right. affecting a whole lot. Right. Uh, all right. I think we've had a really great discussion. Thank you both uh, for finding time to do this. And uh, shall we end with some recommendations? Um, the book recommendations, I mean, I read a lot, but right now I'm not reading. I'm trying to write. I mean, I'm doing the cliche of going to prison, coming out and writing. Oh, so wow. I've been on that. So I'm trying to, you know, write something to publish. Good but, luck. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Uh, apart from that, yeah, I, I'm watching a lot of series. Right. So I Which watched this, the Sinner. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a very yeah. good series. I mean, yeah. I like the whole investigative kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And apart from that, it's a very psychological thriller. Right, right. So, uh, unpredictability is something I like. <laughs> it's on. It's on Netflix, right? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Thank you, Anusuya. So there's a movie on Netflix called Hamid. Uh, I just uh, saw that the other night. Hmm. And it really, I think it talks about a lot of issues which is happening in Kashmir, which pertains to Kashmir. And the thing which I liked about that movie, you know, initially when you watch that movie, you think it's about this one specific community. And, you know, a lot of people who are on the either fence would go out and start, you know, challenging the other. But this Hmm. movie, when you watch through the movie, you understand it talks about a lot more uh, various more issues than uh, just uh, than that just one specific one. So that movie I would like to recommend. And there's another article, uh, the Atta- the Atlantic article, which I would like to recommend. It's called uh, "How J.K. Rowling Became a Voldemort." So uh, basically, <laughs> yeah. So basically, mm-hmm. I would not give a lot about that report, but uh, mm-hmm. basically, J.K. Rowling in an interview, I think she said that you know. How if you're born, if you're biologically a woman, yeah. is oh, you can you know experience the most of it, and then all these uh, fan based platforms uh, which uh, just neglected her. Uh, so basically, talks about that. It's a really nice article, and it talks about a lot of issues and how people the how the cancel culture in the world is becoming so prevalent. So yeah, that is the other, yeah. Other. I think some she said something that was uh, derogatory to the transgender community. Uh, basically, and, she didn't yeah. say anything. Uh, uh, it was perceived as uh, that it's uh, problematic to right. transgenders. I won't yeah. get into the politics of that hmm. because I also uh, uh, think what she said was a bit problematic. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the cancel culture which's evolving in the society. Hmm. Is, uh, you know, it talks about that and also how if someone just puts out one's opinion hmm. instead of having a very civil di- uh, discussion, hmm. how just people just now just banning them or neglecting right, them. Right, right. Thank you, Anusuya. 
And uh, my recommendation for this week is uh, this documentary called Gabo. And um, it's basically about G Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And um, it's directed by Justin Webster. Now, uh, I'm sure all of uh, everybody here is a fan of Marquez. Um, yeah. So it basically examines his life and work, uh, you know, and uh, traces all his childhood experiences and, you know, finds those parallels in his work. And it's, uh, it's so surprising to learn that, you know, some of his most, uh, uh, what should I say, transporting moments in his novels actually have their roots in his real life childhood experiences, you know. The documentary, I, I mean, follows his life from this Caribbean village uh, to the time he won the Nobel Prize. And it's really well made and there are bits, uh, so uh, they have uh, actually spoken to his siblings and uh, his friends and his lovers and they've actually narrated paragraphs from his most famous uh, books and it's really well made. I think everybody should watch it, but it is on Vimeo and you have to pay $1 to pay it, uh, to watch it. So $1 is like, what, 50, 60 bucks? It's not much. I think it's totally worth it. So yeah, please go watch it. <laughs> All right. Listeners, if you liked what you heard, please rate our podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you tuned into. We also have a bunch of other podcasts like Hafta and Awful and Awesome. Better the rating, more the reach, and that means more subscribers, and that means better content. So please do subscribe. And also, we're quite e uh, eager to hear your feedback. So do write to us at contact at newslaundry.com with reporters without orders in the subject line. Or you could also leave your comments on our social media handles. And um, with that, this podcast is adjourned. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.